Tonight, uh, just briefly, I want to open up a few thoughts with you tonight. I pray it helps you. I pray you get something out of it. Uh, but tonight, uh, I really want to talk about this one thing, this one thought. And it's really pretty simple and pretty basic. But I believe if we can get hold of it, it's, it can actually be something quite significant and shifting in our spirits. And it's around this one thought of the very fact that I have all I need. I, I have all I need. You know, um... I got, I, got, I got a few confessions to make tonight. Uh, I thought this was a safe environment, so I thought I'd just bring it out right now. But I, I was going to generalize this and say I think it's all men, but it's 2017, so I'll just keep it with me. Uh, and, and so I, I, this one thing I realized is, is especially when it comes to food. One, one thing I, I came to realize about three years ago or four years ago now when I started dating is, is I'm, I'm, I'm not that good at sharing. Like, like, I, I thought I was, I thought I was all good, but, but I realized I'm not that good at sharing, and it all began when, when me and my beautiful wife first started dating. Uh, now I'm from a small town, and so I drive all the way to Auckland uh, and attempt to find a nice restaurant, and, and we'd go out for dinner and, and attempt to impress and look sophisticated. I'd order a salad or, or something I really didn't want, uh, just to impress. Uh, anyway, so dinner would be fine, we'd eat, would be, would be good, but we'd get in the car and, and, we, and we'd be driving and be driving and drop her off. And, and, and almost every time, one thing I'd soon, as I got in the car, I'd realize that the salad just didn't cut it. Uh, so almost every day, we'd end up in the Macca's drive-thru uh, on the way home. Like, sophistication only lasted so long. Uh, and then the true colors came out. But, but we'd find ourselves in the drive-thru. Uh, and now we'd be at the counter and we, at the box, we got to order food and, and, and I'd ask Leela, I'd go, is, is anything you want? Like, and she said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, are you sure you, you're good? You, like anything you want? And no, nah, I'm good. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to order some large fries because that's what I want. Uh, and so I'd order fries and we'd go around and then I'd pay and then we'd be driving and, and, and we'd come to the lights and I'd, I'd get the chips out and I'm like eating and I'd look over and then I'd just see her smiling at me. I'll be like, smile back, but I'm kind of like. <laughs> and I'll be looking over, and, she, and then we get to the next line, and I'm like, you good? Like, you good? And she's like, can I have a chip? <laughs> and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, we, we, were, we were in the drive-thru. And I was like, do you, do you want something? <laughs> because if I knew, I would have ordered more. But I just ordered enough for me. So in my mind, that's what's going on. But in there, it's like, yep. <laughs> and then on my way home, I'd go back through the same drive through <laughs> get the same thing. She's like, you're back again. Yep. <laughs> but, but I figured it out. I figured out a bit of my issue. Uh, and a bit of my issue is exactly this, is, is that inside of me, there was this feeling like, but there won't be enough for me. Like I, I ordered enough, but just enough for me. Like, like there won't, won't be enough for me. And, uh, but I can realize one thing. I think in today's society and the way we live and, and the culture we're, we're in all the time, there's this concept and this feeling like, I first of all got to take care of me. Like, I, got, I, got, like I want to give. I want to be generous. I, I want to do everything God has for me to do. Like, I, I want to lay my life down for the cause and I want to chase God with all I've got. But there's this sense inside of me, but... First of all, I just got to make sure I've got enough for me. Like there's this sense of like, I want to go after, I want to chase down and I want to lay my life down for the cause of Christ. But inside there's this thing inside of me, like a real thing that says, but I also just want to make sure I'm all good. 
And I look at the life of the apostles. I look at the life of Paul. And I believe every Christian wants that type of life. The type of life on mission. The type of life that has an impact. The type of life that people look at you and think, man, that guy is selfless. That type of life. I, I believe there's something inside of all of us that says, I want that type of life. I want that type of impact. But if you look at what Paul did and Apostle Paul did in the New Testament, the, the sacrifices he'd made. But the impact he had. And you go, I want to be that type of guy. What is it about Paul that meant he could lay it all down for the cause of Christ? And I believe in in Philippians 4, he gives us an insight. He gives a bit of an insight. And in Philippians 4.10, it says this. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever circumstance. I know what it's, to, what it's to be in need, but I know what it's like to have plenty. I have learned the secret, everyone say the secret, of being content in every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And in the scripture we all love, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, when Paul says the statement, I can do all things, through Christ who strengthens me. It's not just like a nice scripture. It's not just like, oh, that's something nice to say. Like, that could make a good tattoo one day. Or a good bookmark. No, and for Paul's, for Paul's situation, he's saying, this is the reality and the belief I live out of. I live out of the fact that I can do anything through Christ. He lives out of this reality. But the word there when it says, I have learned the secret of being content. That word content, it can be broken down. And some of its origins, the first part of the word can mean himself. The second part means to be possessed by an unfailing strength. He's learned the secret of being possessed of an unfailing strength. And so Paul's standing there and writing these people. He says, hey, it's awesome. You helped me out. But one thing you got to know is I'm in possession of an unfailing strength. I've got something in my life that, that although I'm thankful for that, it doesn't sway me. It doesn't turn me because I'm already in possession of everything I need. Paul's not writing and saying, I'm content with my current life. No, because in other times he said, you know, I push on, I take hold on. He's not saying I'm content with society. He's not saying I'm content with the world around me. He's saying what I am content with is the very fact that God is enough. I am content. I push on and I chase the mission of God, but I'm content that God is enough. I believe for us, if we can get to that point and in our hearts, we go, you know what? I'm content that God's enough for me. You know, I realize I've got weaknesses. I realize I haven't got it all together. But one thing I do realize is God's enough for me. I realize I can find it all in Jesus. There was a contentment in Paul's life that brought about a strength to him. Because until we're content that I've already got it all, there's an inability to be saying, I'm willing to give it all. Because there's still that thing inside us that says, what about me? But Paul can write, I lay my life down. I pour it out like a living sacrifice. My life is God's. Why? Because he understands that before he does that, I've got everything in Jesus I need. I've got everything in God. And so he settles his significance. He settles all that stuff with God. So then he can pour it out. And it brings about a strength to his life. But have you ever, like, have you ever tried to 
buy a present for somebody like who just has what they want. Like like Christmas time, it's like like my father's a case in point. Like he's just got everything he wants. And like in, in life, like when you give a present, you want like people to like it. Like there's that feeling like when they're opening it, like the memories of rejects and all that coming out. You're like, as they're opening the presents, you just want them to go, wow, that's amazing. And like, we all got that feeling. Like, we want to give the gift that everyone wished they gave. Like, we want to be that person. Uh, and, but my father, he, he, it's not like he's got a lot of money or anything, but he's just happy with life. He just has what he wants. And so it makes it really difficult to buy him anything. So every year, it's Scott Starman's and Link's Body Wash for about the last 10 years. It's just like the go-to when you have no idea what to buy a guy. It's the go-to. But here's the deal. It's really hard to convince someone or to tempt someone who's content. Like it's actually hard to find something to distract them with or go, you need this. It's actually hard to find something that you can put in front of them and say, you need this. And you look at Paul's life and I imagine the devil would have had a hard time trying to tempt Paul. Because he was convinced what he had was the greatest thing out. What he had was the best thing there was to offer. What do you offer someone who says, I've got it all? Someone who can look at Jesus and say, you know what, God, you're sufficient for me. If I have nothing else, you're sufficient for me. What do you offer somebody that does that? You see, I want my life to be hard for the devil to tempt me. I want him to struggle to find things because of its significance. I found that in Jesus. If it's acceptance, I found that in Jesus. If it's love, I found that in Jesus. Come on, if it's info, I found that in Jesus. You see, Paul lived a life that was of strength because he understood everything he had and needed was found in Jesus. You know, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 27. In Psalms 27, 4. It simply says this, one thing I ask from the Lord, the only thing do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek his temple. You hear the heart of the psalmist here just say, the one thing, if my life could just ask for one thing, like if you looked at my life and just said that was the one thing, was that I could be in the presence of the Lord. The one thing I want, the thing I want above everything else is Jesus. It's God. I don't want anything else. I want Jesus. We're going to ask the question of what's the one thing in your world? If you were to look at your prayer life, what's the one thing you're asking for? It's the one thing you want Jesus. Do you understand the fact that everything you need is found in Him? The strength you desire, the significance you search for, the love you're after, it's found in Jesus. There's something strong about someone who's content. You see, often in life, we, we can live life with like God walking alongside of us. Like we're about doing our thing and, and God's just there to help us do our thing. Like I call on God to help me do my thing. But this thing about contentment and call is, is that you lay all that down and say, God, I want nothing but you and what you have for me. I want nothing because I believe wholeheartedly is what you have for me is better than anything else. 
And there's a conviction in the heart that says, God, what you have for me is greater than anything the world has to offer me. Greater than any business success. Greater than whatever it is. Jesus, you're the one for me. And, but we can live this life like instead there's things we desire and chase after. And we're like, hey, God, just come in and help me out here. But there's a, there's a tipping point when you say, no, actually, God, my life is yours. My heart's desire is you. Like, I don't want you as my, just my helper. God, I want you as my Lord. I want you to drive my life. I want what you have in store for me. You see, in Jeremiah 2, I, I want to open up this dialogue in Jeremiah 2 because I, I think there's something in here. And it's a dialogue between God and his people. And it opens in Jeremiah 2, verse 2. It says, this is what the Lord says. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me. And you followed me through the wilderness. And through a land not sown. You see, God opens up this, this dialogue, this passage. By first of all reminding him, he says, hey, remember in your youth. How you were just so devoted to me. Like, do you remember what it was like to not walk out the door without having time with me? Do you remember what it was like where, where all you wanted was me? Before things came along, like before the girl, or before the house, or before the business, or before... Remember when it was just me and you? Do you remember that level of devotion, like before things happened? Before you got busy? Remember, he opens this letter by going, do you remember when it was me and you? In fact, commentaries talk about well, what God's opening up here is when he's saying about the devotion of you, the youth. He's talking about when, Jesus, when God led the Israelites out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And it talks about when he's saying the devotion of your youth was the fact that even at times, like even at times when the Israelites were like so much like, God, we're out of here. Like, God, this is crazy. What do you got? We, we don't know what to handle. We don't know what to do. Even in times where it got tough, the God's trying to remind them that even when it was tough, you never turned around. You talked about it. You thought about it. You thought there might be another way. But there was a devotion in your heart that said, even though it's tempting, we're following the cloud and the pillar of fire. God's trying to remind them. And I, I think about my life. There is times where it's like, this is like, you follow Jesus for long enough till you get to a point where you're like, man, God, that's what you want me to do? Like, this is tough. Like, I've got to have that conversation. I've got to talk to that person. I've got to deal with that. And then even in our mind, there's things like maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't. And there's a wrestle in our mind. But God's saying, remember the time when you wrestled with your mind, but every time it landed on the fact that I'm following Jesus. Like every time it came back to the fact that, no, we're pushing on. And, and my dependence was in him. Remember when I was the one you came to for supply? Remember when I was the one that I was the source of your strength? Do you remember those moments? You see, if you look at when the Israelites first came out of, of Egypt into, into the wilderness, it talks about in Exodus 13, it says how God led them the roundabout way. He didn't take them the shortcut. Because he knew that they would come up against the Philistines. And they'd come up against a war they weren't ready to handle. And so God led them in a way around it. Now, if you were the Israelites, you would have looked at that and gone, why here, God? <laughs> like, why don't we just go the shortcut? Like, God, I know where you want me to go. Why don't we just go? 
Like, God, I know what the plan is. I know what the call for my life is. Why don't I just go? Like, why not? Why, why here? Why, why this way? And the Bible says, because the Lord knew that they wouldn't be able to handle the Philistines. And you know what? The reality is there was going to come a day where they could handle. There was a day in the promises that they would actually take down the Philistines. They would overcome it. But God knew where they were in their current state. They were not at ability or strength of mind, of thinking, of understanding, where they could allow God to do what God wanted to do. So God said, actually, before we go that way, we got to go around because i got some work to do first. I've got to shift something in your mind first. I've got to shift something in, you know, in my life. I remember at 24 years old, I was, a, I was a cabinet maker, got my trade, I was following the Lord, I, I was doing, doing things for church down in Thames, and things were great, and I remember one day waking up and God going, you've got to go to university. I thought, what? Like, <laughs> you know my test results in school, me and school, we, know, we don't do well together, we're just better from a distance. But I remember God speaking to me saying, you've got to go to university. And at the time, I had no idea why. At the time, I was like, God, I've already got a trade. I'm already earning right money. Like I'm on. And God spoke to my heart and said, you've got to go to university at 24 years old. I was like, okay, there's a lot of money, Jesus. Like there's a lot of time. And people would even ask me when I was enrolling into university, like, why are you doing business studies? And because I didn't want it to go through the whole deal of, I don't know, oh, that's a waste of time, a waste of money. All I'd say is, I don't know, I might own a business one day. I, I, but in my heart, I had no ambition to own a business. I, I had no ambition. For me, it was like a roundabout way. But I understood that there was things within university that God taught me that would enable me to carry on and pursue. But unless God took me that way, I wouldn't be able to take hold of what God has for me now. You see, and sometimes I think we, 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 we judge God's progress in our life by our plan. Like we have a plan. And then we're like, hey God, you're not really sticking on course. Like, like I'm 24, you want me to go back to study? All right, cool. Um, that's not really the progress I was after, but you know what? Yeah. And we judge God's progress by our plan, but we don't realize what it is God's trying to work in us. We don't realize what it is God's trying to set up because if we just go straight for it, we wouldn't be able to handle it. And God's saying, I need to teach you something. You know, a scripture we all love is Romans 8, 28. For God works all things for good for those who love him. It's a great scripture. It's true. It's real. God does. He's a good God and he has good things for it. But one thing I came to realize early on is actually in that scripture is the word work. Like God works all things for good. And I came to realize some of that work is on me. Like sometimes we're like, God, just work it all for good. And God's like, I'm trying, but you won't listen. <laughs> like I'm talking to you. I'm trying to get you. To, and God's saying, no, if you just trust me, if you'd believe me. But you see, the reality is sometimes God will call you into things that make no sense for you. But what I love about Paul is he just said, doesn't matter where I am. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm content with the fact Jesus is enough. I'll go wherever. I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever he asks me to do. I'll be bold. I'll give where he wants me to give. I'll do what he wants me to do because I understand and I've laid it down. The fact that the greatest thing for me is what God has for me. But you look in Jeremiah 20, 
uh, 2 verse 5, as God carries on, he says, What fault did you find in me? That you have strayed so far from me. I love this because you start to hear the heart of God. Sometimes I think we think God's like a robot, like distant and just orders and do here, go here, answer this. But in the scripture, you hear the heart of God like, what was it about me that there wasn't enough for you? Like, what was it about me that you found fault? Like, was it not loving enough? Was it not grace? Did I not have enough? Was it not strong enough? What is it about me? And I, I think sometimes we don't realize, but in life, I think sometimes we stray from Jesus because we get distracted. We, 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 get, we take hold of things. And before we even realize it, we don't actually know it, but Jesus is saying, what was it about me you didn't find enough? What, what was it about me? Because then in Jeremiah 2.13, God says this. He says, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And you hear the heart of God in this, just saying, what was it about me? I, I, I'm the living water. But for some reason, you've got this desire and need to dig your own wells. Like, am I not enough? Like, am I not big enough to fulfill your dreams? Am I not strong enough to do what I promised? Because what is it about your life that you keep trying to pursue it in your own strength? What is it that you keep feeling like, actually, God is good and God is great and God is awesome. But actually, first of all, I, I, I just got to make sure, God, I'm looking after myself, like I'm all good here. And then perhaps I might pursue you. What is it about me that you found fault? And you look at the scripture and I believe it. Even the heart of God is, first of all, just not that they turn their back on God, but it's that they chose something over him. They thought something was better than him. See, I don't, I don't know what you face. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I, I don't know if there's temptation and a pull in your world to just go, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing do my life. I'll turn up to church and I'll turn up to God, but I'm going to create my own way here. Friend, I can tell you one thing for sure. God is better. God is better than any plan you have for your life. God has got more in store for you than what God has. Dubs can help me out tonight. You see, what I love about Paul is he says, I know what it's like to be in lack. But I also know what it's like to have plenty. Either way, I'm content. There's this ability in, in Paul that even the success and the plenty didn't distract him. And I think sometimes with us, it's like we get the desperate times. Like, Jesus, you're all I need. But it's when the increase comes. It distracts us from Jesus, you're all I need. And when we couldn't walk out of the house one day without going to Jesus first, now we got some things. Now God's doing some stuff. Stuff's good. So it's like me and Jesus are good, but Paul knew what it was like to remain in that place. So even success didn't distract him. 
didn't distract him from his devotion, didn't distract him from his love. And I believe that's why God could pour out his blessing at times and his influence on Paul's life is because he knew if I do this, it's not going to distract him. I think there's things we're asking for, and I've even found in my own life, I've asked for. And in hindsight, looking back, if God had given me then, it would have distracted me from Him. Because it would have become, it would have become my own system. It would have become my source of supply, my source of energy. And God's saying, I don't want anything to take that place. That's my place in your life. I want to give you that. I want to give you the land of the promise. But before I do, you've got to make sure that I'm the thing in your heart that you desire most. Tonight, the, the real question is, come on, have you dug systems? Have you dug things, wells in your life that you go to God for some things, but the reality is your security, your source of love, your source of acceptance, there's still that desire because you haven't settled it with God. In fact, he says they're leaky systems. Like, like they won't sustain you. Like success for a little time or, or even like just sometimes when life goes good, it actually can be a distraction. If we don't settle the fact that God is everything I need. And so I, I, it's a whole other thing, but we've got to learn what we got, we got to learn how to carry blessing. That the blessing doesn't distract us. It doesn't take our devotion. It's like, God, you can pour your blessing out of my life. That's great. But no matter what, you're all I need anyway. With or without a Jesus, you're all I need. With or without Jesus, you're my strength. But here's the deal. When, when God is at the core belief that God is enough for you, it causes you to dream different to think different. Like you can't say, God, you're everything to me. And then believe small. Because the size of your dream shows so much about your source, your supply. When I've got a lot, I can dream big. When, when, I, when I don't have a lot, like when we go shopping without a lot, it's kind of like, all right, just keep it, keep it tight, keep it tight. When we go shopping out of plenty, we're like, come on, let's take it all. <laughs> like, we're going shopping. Source is bigger. So the dream is bigger. If Jesus, if God is the root of your source, your dream will be a God dream. Your dream will be a God dream. But sometimes I think we go, God, what is it for my life? What's the plan? What is it? And then we just go about doing it ourselves. And God's saying, actually, first of all, I've got to take you the roundabout way. Because although that's the promise, I've got to do some work. I've got to get you to understand some stuff first. I want you to get there, but in order to handle it, I've got to do some work. I've got to show you that you're no longer a slave, that you're free. I've got to teach you that you're not, you're not looking for victory, you found it. You're not looking for love, you're found it. I've got to teach you these things. And then you'll be able to be, to take down what you need to take down. So tonight, why don't we all jump to our feet? Friend, if there's one thing I can leave you tonight with, this, this simple truth. 
Whatever it is in your world, God's better. To lure that relationship, you know it's not right. God's better. Come on, man. Come on, maybe if God's calling you into something, like He called me into university, I said, God, I've got plans, and I'm doing good. It's like, no, God, what you have in store for me is better. So there's a laying down of self and taking on of Jesus and saying, whatever it is, God, you're big enough. Even if it feels roundabout, God, you're big enough. I'm trusting you. My life is in your hands. God, you can touch the world through this people who just believe. My God is better. My God is bigger. My God is stronger. My God is more faithful. My God is good enough. So friend, why don't you just lift a hand or two towards Jesus? Come on, and in this moment, maybe God's just speaking to something in your life. Oh, maybe there is an area where you've been looking to build your own source of life. Tonight, just even in this moment, out of your own heart, just say, Jesus, you're all I need. God, even regardless of if the promise comes true or not, Jesus, I've already got everything. Jesus, I pray for every person in the room tonight. Lord, that every heart knows, Lord, that you're the source of their strength. God, you're the source of their love. God, that there's nothing you can't do through their lives. And God, it's not in our strength, but God, it's out of an overflow of what you are to us. God, I pray as a people, Lord, it's you that we 